My name is Mike Simpson. I'm from Mosaic Middle East. Um, so, in fact, first contact I had with this church was when I was in Baghdad a few years ago. And there was a guy who looked a bit English and uh, sat near the front of the, the congregation. Turned out to be Tim Mizzen. I don't know how many people here know Tim. But that was my first contact with your church. And I think it was through him that um, the whole kind of partnership and support of this church with Mosaic Middle East began. He was working out there. I think he is out there at the moment, actually. Um, for I think at the time it was for some kind of oil company or something. And that was our connection with you. Um, and that's always good, isn't it, to have somebody rooted in your congregation who's really mindful and knowledgeable about something you're supporting. But I want to tell you quite a lot more this morning about, in particular, St. George's in Baghdad and the Christians in Iraq. Um, Just as a kind of introduction before that, uh, what is Mosaic Middle East? It's a Christian charity based in the UK. I'm not going to tell you a lot about the organisation, but I'm going to tell you what its mission is. I'm just going to read this from the website This is a mission statement which I, with my team at the time, created. Our mission is to bring hope, help, and healing in the Middle East. Wow, isn't that powerful? Isn't that a good thing to be able to do? We ought to be able to bring hope, help, and healing in Bristol. Hope, help, and healing wherever Christians are, shining our light, as it said in Matthew's Gospel just then. So our mission as an organisation is to bring hope, help, and healing in the Middle East. What a challenge, somewhere like the Middle East. Anybody who knows anything about the Middle East, particularly in the current era, will know how incredibly challenging that is as a Christian organization to shine the light of Christ and bring hope, help, and healing. But I can tell you that St. George's in Baghdad is certainly doing that. It's an inspirational ministry. I'm sure this church is reaching out into the community in lots of ways and seeking to meet people's needs in Bristol and perhaps further afield. And there may be other foreign um, kind of initiatives that you're also supporting. Um, But in Baghdad, I think you would be kind of, if it wasn't sinful, envious, envious of the ministry of St. George's in Baghdad. It's an incredible ministry. So they, I described them when I first went there some years ago. Hopefully the Holy Spirit gave me the inspiration to describe them as an oasis of grace in Iraq. An oasis of grace in Iraq. A country that has had so much turmoil, so much conflict, so much grief, so much loss. And yet here in the middle of Baghdad was St. George's Church, an Anglican church, the only Anglican church in Iraq. They're actually trying to set another one up in the north under the auspices of St. George's, but it's the only Anglican church in Iraq. And it's not just a church. So it's quite a big compound. Being in Iraq, in a hostile environment, it's a hostile environment for Christians, It is surrounded by high walls. There's razor wire on the top of the walls. There are steel gates to the compound. 
and they had guys with automatic weapons, guys with machine guns protecting the compound. Imagine if you were coming to church this morning, because of the environment you lived in, there were two guys down there with automatic weapons as you're coming into the church. Imagine what that's like. And yet, the faithful congregation of St. George's in Baghdad are there from week to week, month to month, year to year, as a small group in Baghdad. But they're not just there in a kind of like holy huddle, kind of to enjoy their own experience of faith. It's not a comfortable situation to be in. They're actually reaching out to the community. It is inspirational. So, some of the things, just some of the things that they do. They've set up a medical clinic. Mosaic Middle East are the main funders of the medical clinic there. It's mainly treating Muslims. It's free. And it's quite a wide-ranging medical clinic. They do a lot of work there. And uh, it's around about 1,800 patients per month. It's a substantial ministry. That's on the compound of St. George's in Baghdad. In addition to that, there's a kindergarten. High quality. We don't fund the kindergarten, incidentally. But they have a fantastic kindergarten there with the top quality audio-visual facilities and everything. Uh, Great food for the kids. When I was there some years back, I walked into a class... And again, mainly Muslim children. And they were singing in English, as part of their English lessons or whatever, a Christian song. But the kindergarten is just one aspect. I've mentioned the medical clinic. There's now a primary school on the site. Again, predominantly Muslim children going to the primary school. There's a centre called the Hope Centre, which is like an employment project to help people who are out of work. I mean, you can imagine how many people might be out of work in somewhere like Baghdad. So, in addition to that, the guy who's leading all of this, we're going to hear from him in a minute, because in a moment, Rick is going to show us a short excerpt of a video uh, interview that Rowan Williams did with him. Rowan Williams is one of the patrons of Mosaic Middle East. There's four patrons of Mosaic Middle East. And uh, Rowan is one of them. And he very kindly came to London when Fires was in London and did an interview which we filmed. And you're going to hear a clip of that in a minute, five minutes actually. It's quite good though. Anyhow, Fires, let me just tell you about him before we go to that video. So this is, and he may not be now, I think he still is, the only Iraqi ordained Anglican. And he heads up the ministry at St. George's. He is a peacemaker, a peace builder. I have spent, at Fires' instigation, a whole afternoon in Baghdad with one of the top Shia Muslim ayatollahs, Hussein al-Sadr. 
who is the uncle of Muqtada al-Sadr. And that was because Fayez has built bridges with that man. Now he is actually someone, Muqtada al-Sadr is a very hot-tempered and kind of political figure, but his uncle is a peacemaker, a bridge builder. So Fayez, part of his ministry is building bridges with the different communities. I could talk a lot about that, but we haven't got time. So, before we go to the first clip, some facts. Uh, There were one and a half million Christians in Iraq. There have been Christians in Iraq a lot longer than in Bristol, a lot longer than in the UK, a lot longer than in Hong Kong. Pretty much 2,000 years. Nearly. So there were one and a half million. Then they had Saddam Hussein, nightmare. Then they had the US British led invasion, another nightmare. Then they had the civil war, another nightmare. Then they had um, ISIS, the so called Islamic State, taking over the whole of uh, large sections of the north of Iraq slaughtering people, throwing people off buildings, cutting people's heads off. It's been one thing after another. And so now, there are something between 150 and 200,000 Christians left in Iraq because many of them have either been killed or they've left the country. Mosaic Middle East support 8,000 of them in Jordan alone. There's many in Lebanon, in Turkey... Some of them have managed to get to Canada and Australia. I don't know how many of the British government have allowed in, but there are now said to be between 150 and 200,000 Christians left in Iraq. There were one and a half million. Let's hear the first um, clip, and that is Rome Williams interviewing Fires. I'm going to sit down. Father, it's a very great pleasure to be able to speak with you today. And I wanted just to begin the conversation, if you could tell us a little about St. George's in Iraq, about the history of that church and your own work and involvement there. I have worked at St. George's Church since 16 or 17 years ago. As there was no echo of the Anglican Church or any knowledge of the Anglicans at that time, But over time, we were able to define the Anglican sect in Iraq through the work and services that we were and are still working with to this day. It seems that it's a very important, a very central part of the work of St. George's to provide that witness and service to the wider community and also to work alongside other religious minorities in Iraq. Is that true? Yes, usually all successful businesses must be in partnership with others. But I would want to add a simple thing to this topic about our work. 
أنا أعتقد أنه عملنا ونجاح عملنا يكلل أو بعنصر أو فيه عنصر المحبة والإنسانية اللي تتقدمنا هذا ممكن أن I believe that our work and the success of our work contains the element of love and humanity that we offer and this may distinguish us from the rest of our comrades working in Iraq despite that we do not want them to be upset with us but this is what the people close to us who watch our work say Could you tell us a little bit about what the feeling is among Christians in Iraq towards the West, whether there is more support we can give, more help and prayer and solidarity we ought to be showing? Yes. The Christians in Iraq, I ربما بسبب أخطاء يعني السياسات اللي شهدناها في العراق وربما بسبب الحروب. Yes, the Christians in Iraq. I think that their case is exceptional. Perhaps because of the mistakes of the policies that we've witnessed in Iraq, and perhaps because of the wars that this country has fought since the 70s and until today, anyway. Christians, because of their scarcity, were paying the biggest price. This led and encouraged Christians to emigrate in search of peace, safety and stability, which they lacked in their country, Iraq. Of course, I feel sorry for this thing, but what is happening, we as clerics cannot stop it. What is your great hope for the future of Iraq, and what part do you think Christians should play in that future? The role of Christians is not what they play, but there was a role they played since 1400 years ago, and until now Christians have their weapon is the pen, and they had a great role in educating the people of Iraq. Regarding the second question, which is what is the future of Christians in Iraq? Indeed, the Christians in Iraq need your help and stand by them. And not letting them flounder in the reality they live in. Christians in Iraq need spiritual, moral and financial support as well. So that we can restore confidence in them and their stability inside Iraq. You know, it gives you a bit of a flavour, there's 14 minutes of it, we haven't got time to show you all that. But this guy is an inspirational figure, Fires. Bowen Williams is an inspirational figure in many ways. But <laughs> Fires, he is living 
under threat to his life through his ministry. I mean, the passage that was read from Matthew 5, we don't really experience that, do we? Yes, there may be tragedies in our lives. You know, and, and, and that we should, as Christians, be reaching out to people who are facing tragedies in their lives, whether it's bereavement or, or whatever. But not the threat of death and persecution to oneself and one's family. Um, and yet he is standing up and being a light in Iraq, even under those circumstances. And not only him, his wife and children. I've met his lovely daughter. He also has a very severely disabled son. And that was actually how he really came for his faith to come alive. I could tell you more about that, but just simply put, the experience of having a very severely disabled son didn't turn him against God, it turned him towards God. And that's where his ministry and that of his wife began to reach out to those in need. Inspirational guy. Anyhow, um, let's move on quickly. I'm going to read some of the, a little quote from him. He says, this is right up to date. The financial situation is so miserable right now for Christians. We regularly give, i.e. Fias and the other people in leadership, we regularly give of our own salary to feed the congregation. I feel so helpless when I see their urgent need. They need help with so many things, but hunger is the greatest issue right now. It's more important to give them humanitarian aid than to simply preach the word of God to them. And then he also says this, and I've seen this myself. They all dress smartly. I've got my jeans on today. Perhaps I should have worn smarter trousers. But, you know, in Iraq, you go to church, you dress smartly. But he says this, when I see their homes, when I visit them in their homes, I know they're not making ends meet. We need to do more. So I've experienced this not only there, but also in Jordan, when working with refugees. People are proud. They want to put on a good appearance. But when you go to their homes and they're incredibly hospitable and give you so much food, you can't possibly eat it all. And yet, they're living in really abject poverty. And the circumstances of their living conditions are dire. So, if you can help, that's great. And I'll come to that in a minute. I don't know if we've got time for a two-minute video of Nadira, if we can show that one in now, Rick, because it's so powerful. This is from a few years back, but it gives you an example of one of the people helped by St. George's. We interviewed Nadira at St. George's Church in Baghdad. She has suffered greatly these past few years. Extremists have murdered and maimed her family. What happened to your husband? In 2005, we searched for my husband after an explosion in Al Nada. We searched for 17 days, but nothing. We found him in a mortuary. Because of the explosion, his face was burnt black. What happened to your son? 
In another incident, my son, who was born in 1989, he was earning and working as a porter. He went to fetch his work clothes on Easter night. A car came and caught him and he was robbed. He was shot in the eye, he cannot see. He was also shot in the leg and the stomach. What happened to your daughter? In 2014, my daughter was engaged, and a week before ISIS came to Mosul, we were there. We attended the engagement party, and the priest announced in the church, Get out, all of you! There was chaos in the streets. We all fled. We went to Al Qosh and the dark. I left my daughter there, and I returned to Baghdad, to my home. How has St. George's helped you? I would like to thank Father Fayez, who helped me when my daughter almost gave birth in her 10th month. I didn't have money for the operation. I came to the clinic and there was no doctor. My daughter was in the 10th month of birth, but I didn't have the capability to pay. This is not shameful. I didn't have. Father Fayez said, did you bring her here? He told me, how much do you need? Go and ask. I went to ask. Father then gave me the money for the operation. It gives you an example of one of the people helped. She'd lost her husband, she went to the mortuary, he was so blackened she could barely recognise him. That was in a bombing. Then her son was robbed and shot and severely injured. Then her daughter was, uh, they were at the, the engagement party in Mosul and ISIS came and they had to flee from the engagement party. I mean, this is one person's experience. Look at the number of tragedies that she's experienced. Fires and the medical team and the medical clinic and the church for financial support helped her when her daughter was in the 10th month of pregnancy and needed caesarean um, to, uh, to give birth. So this is one example of the practical help. It, I say, fantastic, inspirational stuff. Moving swiftly on, how can the church here help? Well, first of all, thank you so much that the church has been helping. Thank you so much. Because of that connection with Tim Mizzen and his initiative to talk to some of you, no doubt, and encourage you to support Mosaic Middle East, you have been helping us. But can we ask that you individually might consider supporting us a little more at the moment? Because of the particular needs of the Christians at the congregation in Baghdad. There are many needs. There's the medical clinic, there's the needs of the school and the employment project and so on. But we're asking specifically for the food relief for the Christians there. There are several hundred Christians who rely upon the church and that isn't enough funding to support them all at the moment. We really ask for your help on that. And you can do other things. Obviously, prayer. I don't say that as an afterthought. It's absolutely key. And if you can become more knowledgeable, I know there's many needs in the world, and I'm passionate about the Middle East for obvious reasons, because I've seen and sat with people in tears many occasions where they've told me their stories, and they've been in tears and I've been in tears. I'm very engaged with it, and no doubt you're very engaged with lots of other things and we're all, there's so many demands on our time. But if you can become more knowledgeable about um, what's happening to the Christians in Iraq and other parts of the Middle East, it will help you to pray intelligently. And we believe in a God of prayer who can change things and protect people. And maybe change the government 
there have been some bad things that have happened recently, which I haven't got time to go into, but perhaps the government might change the way they treat the Christians in Iraq. That's a big ask for prayer. And there's something on our website, which I've sent Ian the link to, actually, um, which is a special page, How Can Churches Support? And it's got something called a mosaic meal. Could you have a simple meal that you create, perhaps with some Iraqi recipes? There are recipes available online on our website or linked to our website. Perhaps you could have a mosaic meal, invite friends, and they each pay, what would we pay to go out and eat? I went out with my uh, twins and my grandchildren uh, yesterday in Birmingham, and um, I think, you know, I paid, you know, it would have been £30 a head or something with, with drinks and so on. So perhaps you could invite people to your home for a mosaic meal and ask them to pay what they pay to go out for a proper meal. And then instead you're providing food which is very good but doesn't cost anything like that and then perhaps the extra could be used to donate to Mosaic Middle East. These are just some ideas. Um, Just to wind up, I mean I'd love to preach on Matthew 5. There isn't time to do that. But read that passage. It's so relevant. So relevant i just pick a couple of things out of it. You know, blessed are those who mourn. There's plenty of people mourning in Iraq, I can tell you. And not just there, the refugees who've fled to other countries. Blessed are those who are merciful. Blessed are the merciful. Blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are the peacemakers, like fires. Blessed are you when those who are persecuted. These people in God's kingdom are blessed. And just to uh, finally, a couple of things. One, you are the light of the world. We, you, me, we're the light of the world. Christians, you're the light of the world. Let's shine that light. Let's shine that light. In Bristol, and in everything everything you do, and everywhere you go, and all the people you're trying to reach who are suffering, reach them with the light, because they need it. And finally, from Hebrews chapter 10. And verse 24. Let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Let us consider how we may spur one another on to love and good deeds. I'll end on that note. Thank you very much.